All right, good morning. I'm glad to be back here. Um, last week we talked about how great God is and had some wonderful pictures and stars and all that. That's not this week. This week we're talking about sin. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, before I begin, I found this in the parking lot. It's been in the parking lot for quite some time. The clasp is really warm, but I'm assuming a young lady wore this and lost this in our parking lot on the way to church, and it probably broke her heart to lose it. Um, it's a little weather-beaten, but if your daughter lost this, it's up here, and I think I don't know why I found it, but um, it's going to be up here, and I hope that that young lady is reunited. It's a little, little beat up, though. All right, so I was thinking of Pastor Steve's uh, story two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, about the uh, pastor in the adulterous affair and uh, you know, caused that riot at church and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was thinking, okay, you know, Steve did a pretty good job of saying, you know, that pastor should have, something should have happened way before it got out of hand. But why did it get out of hand? Why did the pastor's wife want to have words in the middle of church with the other woman, right? Why did the other woman respond? Why did the other woman's daughter want to get involved in the fight that, that turned into physicality? And why did it turn into physicality? Why did they start beating? You guys remember the story? Am I preaching the choir here? Okay. And I, and I started meditating on that. Why, what? There was a huge breakdown, right, of not only uh, the pastor doing what he shouldn't have done and, and, and unrepentant sin, but think about all of the flesh that was involved in this. The desire was, I'm going to fix this. The wife said, I'm going to fix this, and I'm going to get that girl, that lady. And the lady said, I'm going to fix this, and I'm going to... Vengeance is mine, saith that lady, right? And the daughter said, I'm going to defend my, my mom, right? And next thing you know, wrath and clamor and division and derision, and that would be Galatians 5.19, which we're not going to talk about today, but sin. It's all about sin. We, as human beings, if we're not careful, if we're not with Christ, if we're not focusing on Jesus, we can devolve into the animals. And that's, that's what that story told me the other day, okay? So today I want to look at three famous people in the Bible who've done miraculous things for the Lord in the Lord's name, uh, wrote parts of the Bible, several parts of the Bible. Uh, one of them gave birth to the rest of us <laughs> and through, through her lineage, Jesus. Uh, and one of them uh, was, was a man after God's own heart and who, who led Israel, okay? But all of them have something in common. In the scriptures, their sin did some grievous damage, okay? And, and some of that damage we're living with today, uh, and we'll talk about that. All right, so everybody go to Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 6. We're going to look at our great, 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 grandmother Eve. I'm sure I missed a few hundred greats there, but. Verse 1. Now the serpent, serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes 
and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Now, my question to you this morning is, where's the sin? Is it eating the fruit? That's disobedience. Obviously, God said, don't eat the fruit, right? But what did Eve say about the fruit? We shouldn't touch it. Did God say that in scriptures? No. So there's a little bit of lying going on in there, right? Over-exaggeration, we would call that, to make it sound like it's not lying. <laughs> but that would be sin, right? What else is there? Did the devil make Eve do it? Listen to, listen to what she says. When she, or listen to what the Bible says here. So when the woman saw that the fruit was good for food, for her body, for her flesh, and it was a delight, it looked good, it was pleasing to the eye, and the desire to be wiser than she already was, right? The promise, the promise was to be wiser, right? And then she took and ate the fruit. See, that's, that's the issue. What's the sin? The sin is, I want to be something more than I am. And I don't want to ask God for it. I don't want to go through the Lord. I want to go through it in my own power. That's what Eve said. I want That fruit will make me wise. That college degree that I'm going to covet so badly will make me wiser. Not that college degrees are bad. They're great. They're wonderful things. But are you going to college to succeed on your own power, on your own merits, or are you bringing God along? Is he getting the glory of your success? See, here, there's no glory for God. The fruit... Did the fruit make Eve wise? Yep. What did she know about herself after eating the fruit? She's naked. <laughs> see, and that's the second problem with sin, is the promise that we see in the sin never delivers. Oh, it delivers, but not what you expect, right? Not what you expect. And that's, that's the issue, right? The outcome, so the solution was let's eat the fruit. I'm going to get wiser. The outcome Death, that's the outcome. We all now die. We all now die. Okay, that was cheery, sorry. Go to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. It gets better, I promise. It gets better, Caleb, I promise you. All right. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people, he looked at, on their burdens, and he looked on the, bur the burden of the people, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Verse 12, he looked at this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the, in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he said, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. Right? So this story is actually near and dear to my heart. What was the sin? He, he was defending one of his people, one of his brothers. What's wrong with that? Right? Stick it up for him. What's wrong with that? It's a rhetorical question, Caleb. I'll get to it in a second. What's wrong with that? No, you're doing great, brother. What's wrong with that? He did it on his own power. Right? He took it into his own hands. He used... Anger, wrath, <laughs> vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith Moses, and he took care of it, right? And so the, the, the desire or the problem was, 
I need to take care of this and defend my people. So the, the, the uh, solution was to kill this Egyptian. What's the outcome? Guilt and shame. Moses has to run away off in the desert. And by the way, Pharaoh is really going to looking to gun and kill this guy, right? So now he's, he's escaping. He's escaping for his very life. So the promise was, if you, if you kill this man, you'll free your brothers. But the empty promise is, well, now you're free, but you're on the lamb and, and you're in mortal peril, right? Now we know the rest of the story. It has a very cheery end. <laughs> he frees all of his brothers and sisters through the Lord's power. And that's awesome. But the sin was, I'm going to take care of this in my own power and I'm going to kill this man. All right. Here we go. Y'all ready for this one? I'm going to pull out my Bible for that. Everybody go to 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. Chapter 13, verse 14. We're going to talk about David. And in this, God's talking to King Saul, and he says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord, actually Samuel's saying this, The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. So we continue into 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2. I need to get there myself. All right. So there's a lot going on in here, so we're going to unpack this. Ready? It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from, a roof, from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and came to him. she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So what's the sin? You guys are thinking, <laughs> Lori Reed. She's like, duh. <laughs> Adultery? No. Read, read it again. There is, that, that is sin, absolutely. Read it again. All right, let's read it one more time. David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. No sin there yet. Because he's like, oh, a woman bathing. She was very beautiful. Uh-oh. And David sent and acquired. There's the sin. That's where it begins. Adultery in the heart. Absolutely. Right? And he couldn't stop thinking about her. He couldn't stop, couldn't stop looking. Now I'm reading into it just a little bit. And next thing you know, this gives birth to this, this thing. Um, and I won't belabor the point by reading the whole thing, but you guys know that then he deceived, he tried to, Uriah, he sent for Uriah, brought Uriah back, because he's like, okay, I'll cover it up. I'll bring this, this soldier back, and he'll take care of it, and no one will ever know. And that worked out well, because Uriah was an upstanding young man, and he's like, I can't go home when my, when my fellow men are, they're not home, so I'm going to sit at the king's feet and sleep there. And David's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and Uriah's like, I'm, I'm honoring my, you, Lord, and I'm honoring the people. And so, of course, David's going, oh, man. So he gets him drunk. That always works, right? So he adds alcohol to the sin. And Uriah, again, he doesn't go home like, like, uh, like David wants him to and take care of it and, you know, blame it on Uriah, not his child, right? So then it goes to murder. 
not only murder, but David has to tell one of his generals to murder one of his men. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And you guys, we can beat on these people all we want, but honestly, <laughs> who here has not sinned? Yeah. And when we, when we have sinned, by your own admission, did it always get better? Got worse and worse and worse. Because we're trying to do something under our own power. It's about our glory. First John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that he is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, you guys, I'm not just talking about sinners. I'm talking about saints. I'm talking to all of us here. When we get into our flesh, and I get, I'm just as guilty, really guilty of this, that's the problem, is I'm no longer of God at that point. I'm still, you know, you lost your salvation, Pastor? No, and say that. I'm not thinking about the Lord. I'm not thinking about things of heaven. I'm thinking about my own flesh, my own desires, how to correct my own problems, my own way. And that's sin, because God says, rely on me. He's got the power, and here I am going, yeah, I'll take care of that little thing. And next thing you know, it gets worse. And since I'm in my flesh, I might as well stay there. And it gets worse and worse. And, we, and I know you all, I know I'm preaching the choir on this one. I know you have all done that, even as believers. And hopefully, we arrest the fall, turn to God and say, Lord, <laughs> I'm on my knees. But not before it's done massive damage in whatever, whatever that sin was, was, whatever area that sin was in, right? And so if we read... First John, if we're in the world, we're not of God. But if we're of God, what's the inverse of that? We're not in the world, and we're taming our flesh. And that's what we want. It's the love of the world, what the world has to offer, or the solutions of the world that will make it right. That's the issue. The promise of sin is you'll be wise. You'll save your people from affliction. You'll get the girl, or you won't get in trouble. That's the promise. But the promise is never ever delivered, ever delivered. The truth is, you're going to sow destruction. And that's the problem. We are literally leaving this death and destruction in our way, if we're not careful, if we get into our flesh and our sin. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 says, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. We're going to stop right there. Romans 8, verses 7 and 8 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Notice the language. If when we're in the flesh, we are hostile to God. Both saints and sinners, we are hostile. The flesh cannot please God. And there's no way we can do it if we're in the flesh. Sin promises us a moon. It promises us riches, glory, Fame, a better feeling, a delivery from pain. I'm talking, I'm talking about alcohol and, and, and illicit drugs, you guys. Worse pain than when we had started even unto death. That's what we we're going to get into if we're not careful. Listen to David's words after his sins came to light. Everybody go to Psalm 51. This is, this is pretty awesome. This, this psalm was written right after the Bathsheba incident, by the way. 
And I want you guys to listen to this. You don't have to read it if you don't want to, but just listen to what he's saying. Ready? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. See, he's not forgotten who God is. God's a God of love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, like murder, adultery, lying. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in the truth, the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Doesn't that sound like what we all want? When we sin and we're on our knees, we can't go any further because we've been caught. We've done destruction. Isn't that what we all want? Lord, take this away. I have messed this up so bad, and I really want it to be right again. I really want this feeling of, of iniquity and guilt and shame to just go away. Please remove it from me. That's what David is saying. That's, that's his prayer right here. And it's being poured out in the Psalms. He is searching for the real answer. Sin is wanting you to feed your flesh, to solve your problems and achieve your desires in your own power. And it really comes down to one thing. We think we can fix. We think we can be the solution. In other words, we think we can be our own God. And we forget God in the process. See, the Lord is just wanting to bless us, you guys. If I was prettier, it would be better. If I was skinnier, it would be better. If I had more money, if I had more time, if I was smarter, if I had that girl or that guy, if only I had that. If I was more powerful, I could help. If I had more money, I could do better ministry. If I could kill the building inspector, I could get that building built. Don't clap, Pastor Steve. And we do these things that we think will solve the problem, sometimes drastic, and it's not always selfish. It's not always about selfish ambition, but we do it in our own power. You know, Moses, after all, was trying to help out his brothers, but he committed murder. <laughs> and it's not just selfishness, you guys. It's not just, but we, we forget that we are of God. And some of you guys are thinking maybe, or somebody on Facebook, Facebook's evil, right? Facebook people are saying, I'm not of God. I'm safe. <laughs> no, you're still an unrepentant sinner, right? So what's the answer? Uh, oh, let me keep on going. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit becomes before, before a fall. Proverbs 11, 2, 3. When my pride comes, then, my, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of a treacherous destroys them. What is sin? Disobedience to God. The desire to solve a problem for an outcome using a solution that is from you or your flesh. Letting your flesh control the direction or decision. And of course, the flesh I've talked about always falls short. Always. Always falls short. Sin always has an empty promise. 
and always falls short in its delivery and has an outcome that is not anticipated. What you wanted to have happen not only will not happen, but it'll be absolutely worse than when you began. That's sin. And you guys all know this, right? You, you, you figured it out. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. But the free gift of God is? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is always the right answer. See, that's what we're looking for. What's the answer to the sin problem? Jesus. What's the answer to my, if I want to be skinnier? Jesus. Prettier? Jesus. Well, some of us can't help it. We're, we're ugly. But Jesus loves me anyway. This I know, for the Bible told me so. And Miss Annie this morning. Jesus is the right answer. How do we get the building built? Pastor Steve went to the Lord today. Jesus will take care of it in his time when he wants, right? And of course, the fruit of the Spirit is patience, and that's what we all have to exercise. But I've got stuff to move in from my office to the building. We need to get that thing built, Greg. Jesus will build it in his time. And that's what we're all learning. And patience, right? Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. I'm going to stop right there for a second because I want to say this. Believers, remember that. Non-believers, accept that. Okay, moving on. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the very cross he was nailed to. I paraphrase that, sorry. Verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over him, uh, them in him. See, that's our promise. He will deliver us, i.e., whatever problem we have with our flesh, he'll take care of if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Things of above, amen? And that's what we need to do, you guys. We need to remember that God is in charge. God wants to bless us. God wants to solve our problems. And more importantly, our God never does it when we want it done. Because we want it done now, right? Our God is always an 11th hour God. He's always just in time. And I think he does that to build us up. I think he does that so we'll rely on him. I think he does that to give us some patience. I think he does that because he loves us. Because if he gives us everything we want, when we want it, like spoiled children, parents, what happens when you give your child everything? All the time. Whenever they, they want more. Who said that? They want more, and they're not satisfied. They're not satisfied with what you give. And God's saying, no, child. I love you, and it'll be my time because it's good for you. And we're going, why? Why? I want it now, God. I want a million dollars. Son, you can't handle a million dollars. You can't handle a thousand dollars. I'm not giving you a million dollars. You'll wreck yourself. I want a new sports car, God. Boy, you can't drive the truck you got. You can't maintain the thing you got. Show me then. Show me that, and I'll give you what you need. You guys see the point? Just like parenthood. But we forget that, don't we? Because we all become little children again when we want something really, really bad. And that's what God's saying. I know what I have for you. I know when I can give it to you. I know when you're ready for it. And some of us will grow up someday, hopefully. Romans 5.8. This is one of my, well, you guys know. One of my favorite verses. The kids tease me. Pastor John, you say that about every verse. One of these days, they're going to get the hint that I love the entire Bible. 5.8, Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
See, that is the best gift ever. If I get nothing else, that's what I want to rely on. Now, I sound so pious, don't I? But that has taken 28 years of walking with Christ to get to. And I think I just arrived to it as I was getting this sermon together. <laughs> that's all I need, Lord. He's like, finally, John, you got it. Romans 10.10, 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified. Stop right there for a second. You know, for those of you who have heard me preach before or talk at all, uh, that word right there, justified, is my favorite word. It means not guilty. So let's read that again. Ready? For with the heart one believes and is not guilty, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So what's our answer? Trust in Jesus. Trust that he knows us. Trust that he loves us. Trust that he wants nothing but good for us. Follow his example. Trust in him. And everything that we can do with our flesh, he can do better. More lasting, more permanent, more loving. Matter of fact, I really, really wanted a bus. Really, really bad. Really badly. So I can do ministry. I was willing to do anything for that bus, right? And yesterday, or three day, two days ago, I saw that bus being used to deliver a message to Northern California that Christian believers in the Northwest love very much. But that's not what I wanted, Lord. I wanted to take kids to summer camp. No, no, Don, I got this. That bus is going to be way more than just that. Okay, God, take that bus, whatever you need to do. Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for this message. I thank you for these people. I thank you for our hearts, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that this, this, that we'd all understand how great a God you are and that everything's in your time and that our flesh needs to be crucified with Jesus. And Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us a place to put that flesh. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.